Hello and welcome back to Voices of UCM. I'm Abram Tabor and today we're joined by Ethan Hill, the president of the Milliers Society and a member of the Media Creators Association. Hello, Abram. It's good to be here. Yeah. Nice to see you on the show. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, it is no problem at all. So before you came to UCM, you're currently a digital media production major here. You've been in the major uh, for four years. I assume you started. No, I've technically oh. I've only been in it for two. So I, was a, I was a transfer student um, initially. I went to Metropolitan Community College in Longview, uh, which was quite a bummer because on their roster they said that they had uh, film classes. I'm a cinema emphasis, and then when you actually get there to register, they're like, "Well, actually, not anymore." But we haven't updated the schedule yet, so I had to settle oh, for like wow. some creative writing classes. So yeah, that is what I did before. Very, very good financial decision, and then I transferred to UCM. Right on. Well, UCM famously a pretty good financial decision itself. <laughs> everybody, everybody that I've ever talked to is like, yeah, I went to UCM because it is cheap. And also, speaking more um, to the digital media production uh, side of things, it is one of the only colleges in the area that is has a more practical approach as opposed to theoretical when it comes to uh, when it comes to the classes like the. Um, what is it, UMKC, theirs is all pretty much theoretical work. And the Art Institute, I was talking with uh, one of my classmates, and he had like an uncle who went to the Art Institute, and their professors are literally, they'll show up to lecture, and you'll be like, okay, go do your stuff. And it's nice actually being in classes where your professor is like, this is how you use a camera, this is what the settings mean, here's the exposure triangle, here's da 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 So you actually do learn quite a bit. Yeah, it's very practical learning. Uh, yes. I felt like... You know, in my experience, COVID was a very dampener on that because, like, mm -hmm. a lot of the practical classes we had were suddenly like, well, I guess this is now just theory. You know, here's the manual for the camera. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was pretty lucky that COVID happened while I was at Longview. So when I came to UCM, my first semester was pretty much all of the the classes that were going to be theory anyways, like media literacy, writing across the media, things like that. And so I didn't really miss out on anything during the COVID years wise. Hmm. Right on. Well, that's good to hear at least, you know, getting the full experience here at UCM. Uh -huh. Well, before you came to Longview, you were obviously interested in film. How did that develop? Yeah. So the goal, the dream job, the pipe dream is to be a filmmaker, specifically a screenwriter. And it's really interesting hearing people's stories of how they specifically get into the arts field because I think, especially in a place that doesn't have uh, what on the surface appears to be like a thriving arts scene, like here in um, Missouri in the Kansas City area, people, you say like, yeah, I want to get into the arts and they're like, is that really going to pay? And so my story of it was I, I was around like, oh, 15 or 16. It was around 2016. And I saw like three different movies all within the span of three months that like really changed the way that I saw movies. One of them, um, not to be a film Twitter cliche on Maine, but it was La La Land. And I saw that and I was like, wow, this is so good. And I had never considered musicals. My family really, really has an affinity for classical Hollywood. So that is kind of what I was raised on. I didn't start watching or paying attention to new releases or modern movies from the last decade or so until I turned about 18. So it was a good it got me a really good foundation when I was younger. We had uh, the Netflix DVD rental 
like still in like 2017. And mm-hmm. so I was checking out like Alfred Hitchcock's movies or Billy Wilder's movies and all of these people wow. who like were the foundations of the form and really helped it grow. And so having that and then also watching a ton of YouTube videos. I think YouTube is one of the best resources if you want to learn about film. More on a theory level, I would say. You start off with like your Watch Mojo top 10 lists. Mm-hmm. And then as that goes on, you find other video essays that allow you to think critically. And so by the time that I was 17 and I had graduated high school, and with community college, it was a little bit of a buffer because that is all of your gen ed classes. And so I was taking all the classes and then I was like, okay, I'm probably going to go to UCM, but what do I want to do? And I was thinking about it, and it really was, as I was considering everything, I was like, well, yeah, I could go into, like, engineering because I'm not bad at that, or I could do math stuff because I can work with that. But the only thing that I really had a passion for was film, and so I was like, I might as well enjoy what I'm doing. If I'm going to be putting thousands and thousands of dollars towards this every single year, I might as well love what I'm doing, and that's... That's where I got it, and my and my love of film continued to develop um, over uh, over the COVID pandemic. I joined an online film group, and that also meeting other people is really good for helping to expand your taste in film. So then you get into things like world cinema and experimental cinema, and you don't have to like you can still be a mainstream filmmaker. You can still be like making Marvel movies, but it does help to have that foundation and to see where the boundaries are being pushed in terms of visuals or story or anything else so that you can incorporate some of those elements into your films. Hmm. Is there an element that you mentioned La La Land, but in one mm-hmm. of those three films that really spoke to you that you were like, wow, yes, that's really cool. And actually, I have, a, I have a funny story for this. I think I was 15 at the time and we were scrolling through the, um, the Netflix DVD page and there was this movie that came up. It was called um, Solaris. And the tagline oh, wow. that Netflix used to describe this was it was about a uh, scientist who is um, monitoring this planet that has a space station on it with people. And then they find um, that, like, basically they've stopped receiving signals from the planet. The planet has gone dark. So he goes to the space station on the planet to figure out what's been going on. And what he finds is that the planet has been manifesting as the deepest desires of the crewmates there and is like messing with their heads and I was like this sounds so cool objectively it's a very good it's a very good elevator pitch mm-hmm. and so I get the movie and the first thing I'm thrown off is that it's not in English it's a Russian movie and then I look at the runtime and it is two hours and 45 minutes and like the only three hour movie I'd watched up to that point was like Titanic so I was like this is yeah. this is fine I still thought that it was going to work in that conventional, I thought it was going to be an action movie or a thriller movie. Uh, And it's very much not that. This is what is called slow cinema, which is a pretty self-explanatory name. The movie is very slow. It lingers on shots for a while. There's um, a big emphasis on philosophy, which 15-year-old me, like, did not understand in the slightest. (laughs) But I just found it so captivating the entire time. Um, The things that they chose to focus on or, like, some of the different cinematic elements they chose to go monochrome for certain sections of it and the way that they took science fiction which is a genre that I really really enjoy and they use it to ask these bigger questions while also being really really slow I just I got incredibly lucky that it did not bore me to tears the first time because that's what because that's what kind of uh, set me off I even saw that before La La Land and I just kept thinking about this movie until I got older and then I got back into world cinema and I was like hey I've seen that, and this guy has all of these other slow movies. So I really enjoy slow cinema, 
but I do think it is something that is very hard to pull off correctly because you're slow, but you still have to engage your audience. So it is focusing on those specific elements that are going to keep your audience engaged while also moving at the pace you want to. So that was a that's a really big influence in how I think about film, not in how I make film right now. I don't think I'm 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 a student, so like things aren't going to be good for a while. So I'm <laughs> learning to get all of the bad out of the way, so that when I do want to make like slower movies, that they can actually be built upon that foundation of everything that I've had. You mentioned this director has a lot of slow movies. Would you say some directors have a particular style towards that or affinity towards that? Yes, um, I I like I like a lot of fast movies as well. I don't want to seem like some pretentious snob like Ryan Johnson, the director of <laughs> Knives Out and Looper and Brick. I think he's one of like the best filmmakers working today. But uh, the other one, her name is Kelly Reichardt, and she is a director. I think she's from Oregon. Um, all of her movies are set in Oregon, so that's what I'm assuming. And she Makes combines sense. slow cinema but her movies are all like 90 minutes. And so it's a lot of conversations that take place in one area. And it's a lot of, she does have a very distinct style. There's a focus on lower or working class people. And there's a focus on people that had a relationship in the past that are reuniting after a period of time. And I do think it's really interesting when you're looking, uh, when you're looking at movies and you start to notice this same person's movies and the things that they return to over and over again, like uh, Steven Spielberg does with absent father figures, like that starts in E.T. And then he does that all the way up until like Catch Me If You Can and War of the Worlds, which I think are two of his best movies. You think War of the Worlds is one of Steven Spielberg's The best one with movies? Tom Cruise? I saw that Hot movie. Take. I saw that movie when I was 14 and it scared the hell out of me. And it continues to be super scary. And also it's probably the best movie about 9-11 that we've gotten in the wake of 9-11. There's been some really really good articles dissecting the specific ways that the aliens that what Spielberg chooses to focus on in the destruction wise and there's also pretty like pretty unsubtle references like Tom Cruise being covered in ash afterwards and us we didn't we weren't really we might have been alive for 9-11 but we were like babies so all of our understanding of that event is going to come through the media that we consume so yeah uh number one war of the world stand right here Right on. Well, we'll be right back with more Ethan Hill right after this. Did you know that when you shop at a local business, you can create jobs, stimulate the local economy, and reduce your carbon footprint? 90% of net new jobs are created by small businesses, which makes them the largest employer nationally. And for every $100 spent at a local shop, 68 of those come back into the community because small businesses buy from more small businesses. Because of this, habitat loss and pollution caused by transportation has decreased by 26%. To learn more about the benefits of supporting small businesses in your community, visit one in your area today. This message brought to you by your friends in UCM Digital Media Production. Welcome back to Voices of UCM. Today we're here with Ethan Hill, the president of the Millier Society and a member of the Media Creators Association. So I introduced you just now as the president of the Millier Society. What is that? How did you get involved with it? The Millier Society is the basically the film club at UCM, which is one of the things I was incredibly hyped about to do because, um, as you as we have probably surmised from the first little segment, I love talking about movies with people, and I didn't really have the opportunity to do that. My I love my family to death. They aren't as big into movies as I am. And I have I have family members who are so, so good with putting up with the foreign movies or the slow movies that I want to show them. But 
they aren't they aren't doing this for a living. This isn't what they want to like dedicate their life to. So it, there is a little bit of a disconnect. So in like my first, it wasn't in my first semester at UCM because it was still pretty COVID heavy. But uh, uh, Eric Newsom, who runs the club, had mentioned it, and I was like, well, when is that going to happen? And so it was the next semester, my second semester there, which was this semester last year, so fall of 2021, wow. that I finally got to go. And basically what happens is we show up at the screening room, Martin 125 meetings this uh, semester are Mondays at 5. And Newsom has compiled a list of movies for the semester. And uh, we watch the movie and then we talk about it, except it's less us talking about it and more Newsom talking about the movie because we are all – not as smart as Newsom is. He <laughs> has a doctorate in communication studies for a reason, and he always has such great points and takes. And there are movies that we have watched that I was like, this is not a very good movie. And then it ends, and he talks about it for a while. And I was like, okay, perhaps points were made. Perhaps the movie is good. <laughs> and so it was something that I really tried to go to as much as I could uh, with like work and stuff, being a, uh, being a full-time student who works. It was also pretty difficult. But when I got to go, it's always been a great time. And I got to be the president this semester, A, because it's my last semester, um, but B, because when we had the last meeting of the year, I was the only person who wasn't graduating who showed up. And so Newsom was like, you're the president now. And what does the president do? I might be starting an Instagram specifically dedicated to the society. I got to pick one movie that um one movie that we would be showing. And so if y'all want to come out, uh don't let me let me plug the meeting creator. <laughs> let me plug <laughs> the Millier thing. Society for a second. I think it's November 14th we'll be showing one of my favorite movies, which is called Cold War, which is also an art house movie. So people might find it boring, but it's something I'll actually get to contribute to the discussion in a meaningful way, which I think is gonna be fun. So yeah, it's a very chill atmosphere. We've had people from all different majors come not just DMP. And there's always a good conversation. Sometimes people will leave like halfway through the movie because it's their first meeting and it's a French movie and it's kind of a little boring and we don't blame them for that. So it's it's been a very it's been a very enriching experience. Newsom is obviously one of I'd say probably as somebody who's in DMP sort of one of the favorites that's around. I've never heard a bad a word said about him. Yeah. So you said something about how afterwards you talk about it but mm -hmm. you know you can have your sort of vision of the movie like whether or not you thought it was good or bad changed yeah. after the fact by just additional knowledge uh -huh. do you think properly understanding a movie like that is part of the keys to enjoying one properly i think so i also think that you can understand what a movie is going for perfectly and still think that it sucks there are plenty of times <laughs> where i've been watching a movie and like i totally get what you're going for but i am hating every single second of this but it allows you to even if you hate it to have an appreciation of it as a form because coming to ucm and actually making video projects and short films, it is so much work to get this done. It is it is a miracle that any movie gets made ever, especially ones on such as big of a scale that they are. And then to be made and then to be good and to like be profound on some level, it just, it amazes me every time I watch a movie, honestly. Right on. And you mentioned at UCM that you've uh, created short films. Can uh, what, what are some examples of that? Oh, thank you for that question, Abram. So. Last semester, I took uh, narrative production, which is a class completely dedicated to making uh, to making a short film. We've got like four groups. Each one has their own short film. And so uh, through some serendipitous, as the roles were getting out, I ended up getting put on directing. And I was a little nervous because it wasn't my script that I was directing because, as I said earlier, I want to do screenwriting more than anything else. And so the the process of making that has taught me more about 
the the art and also the logistical processes of making a movie than any video I've ever watched, any textbook I've ever read. It's like experience truly is the best teacher when it comes to this field. Some of the stuff that I picked up, like you're never, however much planning you think you're going to do in pre-production, which is the phase before you actually start doing the movie, it's never enough. There will always be something that you've forgotten, something that has slipped your mind, and there is always more planning to be done, which I I tend to do better at. I tend to, after this experience, I think, um, because as you're making the film, you are you are guided by the professor. The class is taught by um, uh, Mark von Schlimmer. Great and dude. so he, he very much knows... Here's the things you need to be considering. Here's the things you need to be thinking about. And so making the short film uh, was a really great experience. It was a short film about two frat guys, and they accidentally murder one of their pledges during uh, – Not a, it was originally going to be hazing ritual, but hazing in colleges is a little bit of an iffy subject, and we are students. And so they just – they accidentally kill one of the pledges, and they have to, like, cover up his disappearance and hide the body. And so we had to plan – there is um, – the script called for a lot of different locations, so – um, me and my producer, we had to run around and we had to be like, hey, can we use this place? Hey, can we use this place? And then the location is never going to be as ideal as you want it to. And so right. our production designer had to go around and she had to she had to fix the parts so it would look well. And then we also had to find things like power outlooks. We had to coordinate water and snacks for the crew so everybody could stay healthy. We needed a detailed shooting schedule. And so all of these things, the short film turned out fine. Like it is the first semi-professional short film that anybody was involved on Mm -hmm. uh so like all things considered it turned out fine uh and then over the summer i decided to reunite with pretty much everybody who was involved in the making of that movie i think i got and then we made another short film based on one of my scripts because i did want to direct one of my scripts and so i got my cinematographer back i got my producer back shout out to sydney hampton she is so good at this sort of thing and we shot it over the summer with two of the same Three of the same actors, actually. And then another one, shout out to Katie Marshall, who also has a few shows here. She uh, she acted in it. And that one was a lot better because it wasn't for a grade, first of all. Um, there was There's so much pressure in the narrative production short film because that is like half of your grade. Okay. And so it it's less stress about making a good short film and it's more stress about like, I need to pass the class. Making it for something outside of class is a completely different... Not a completely different experience, but a completely different feeling. We could take our time with it. We could meet as we needed to if there were gaps. We had time if we needed to reshoot stuff, uh, which we did for this one over the summer because I ended up getting COVID the day before our very first shoot. Wow. And yeah, and uh, one of our actors, Riley, he lived in Mexico, Missouri, which is I think three hours away, and he was busy. He was um, directing some theater stuff like every single weekday. So he's like, I'm only available like these three weekends. And we had three shooting days planned out. And I was like, we cannot reschedule this. So we ended up having to basically like uh, my producer and my cinematographer directed the nights. And it ended up there's a few scenes of that and I think a few scenes of another day that we needed to reshoot. But it wasn't something that we needed to stress out about because this didn't need to be done by the end of the semester. Like, we we got it. We edited it. It's turning out. It's turning out very well. Everybody that I worked with is super talented, and we're like we're going to be reshooting a year later. But I don't feel any stress about that because it just needs to come out at some point. And then I just this during this month for the Media Creators Association, which we can uh, segue into. I we were doing horror short films, and so we picked up the script that I did, and we're in the middle of. We just had our first filming day last Friday with another 
with nobody that I'd ever worked with before except the actor. Everybody else was completely new to me. And that went super well. And we're really happy with how that's coming up. But since it's for a club, we do have a release date of Halloween. But also, there's no grade for this. We're all doing it to have fun, which I think has been really helpful. Hmm. So you mentioned you have a release date for Halloween and that you're working on a short film now and it's not quite done and it's going to be released at some point. What goes into releasing a short film? Like, is there a film festival that you're prepping for or are you going to... That is a that is a fantastic question. We chose not to really release the one that we made for narrative production because we were like, this isn't... This isn't as good as it could be. Fair. There's a few. Uh, there's a few film festivals. There's this one called the uh, Kansas City Underground Film Festival. It started in like 2019, and I went there the opening, uh, their first year that they did. And I was like, this is really cool. It's the first film festival that I've ever been to, and they have a focus on the Kansas City area filmmakers. So I was like, this would be the perfect place to submit my film. So that's one that I really want to do. There's also a few more. I think over in St. Louis, I have a friend who. Uh, was actually just asked to be on the jury of the short film category for a film festival. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him about that and see if I can submit to it next year because it it would definitely be a conflict of interest if one of his friends submitted a short film, obviously. But and you can also release it on YouTube and on Vimeo. But honestly, if we're speaking completely candidly, a lot of these projects we just want to finish them so we can go on the demo reel so we can get a good grade in capstone. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Obviously, as somebody who's also in DMP, Capstone is something that we put together sort of as a final portfolio, a final senior Yeah, it's like the send-off for the class. You've got to get all this done so you can be a professional. We'll be right back with more Ethan Hill right after this. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Voices of UCM. Today, we're joined by Ethan Hill, who is the president of the Millier Society and a member of the Media Creators Association. In the last segment, we left off talking about the senior capstone portfolio demo reel mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and sort of what all goes into that uh, as a member of the digital media production major, which uh -huh. I am also part of. Yeah. Uh, so for the people who aren't part of the digital media production major, could you explain a little bit further like what all goes into prepping something like a capstone and a portfolio. I would be happy to, Abram. So the big thing about, because like, if you're gonna go to UCM for something like teaching, which is what this college is known for, it's not super hard to find places, like you just go to schools and you see what schools are hiring. But a lot of, um, in digital media, it is you're either going to be a freelancer or you're going to get a corporate job. And a lot of what's gonna help sell you is your demo reel. And so basically in this capstone class, there are other things that go into it. You polish up your resume, you write a cover letter, you have to reach out to professionals in the field that are working in the Kansas City area, and you have to ask them about their experience experiences with that, which I was very nervous to do at first, but it honestly got me in contact with a lot of different and very unique individuals that I really love talking to, and that was probably one of the better, uh, one of the better projects that I've done. Uh, but the demo reel, which is like the, the demo reel in your website are like the, the holy grail of this course. Mm -hmm. And so the demo reel is like every project that you've worked on and that doesn't suck. And you put it all into a two-minute video. And so it's basically like an ex it's a trailer for you. 
And so I've taken my short films. I've taken a music video that I did for a class. I've taken some uh, other projects that I'm doing for corporate and freelance right now. Like I'm going about to do a highlight reel for the uh, homecoming parade when that happens. And you put it all together and you take like at max the 10 best seconds from that project and you put it on there and you say every the parts of it that you did. So my... My demo reel is going to end up being heavier on uh, writing and directing, which is frankly kind of a hard thing to showcase. If you are a cinematographer, or if you are an editor, that's not a that's not a hard thing to showcase. You put a bunch of pretty shots, or you do a ten second edit where you have like a bunch of where there's a bunch of cuts and the cuts look really well together. But it's hard when I'm doing writing, especially if you're writing something that isn't very dialogue heavy, and you've you're just like look at the shots, look at the people walking. I wrote this so. That's where the that's where the website comes in, which I'm uh, I'm a little bit more I'm a little bit more prepared for. I have I have the actual short films, but also in the writing section, I have like screenplays that I've written or excerpts of screenplays or pieces of uh, film criticism and also film reviews because I I write for a website about that. And it's mostly like indie stuff, but there's a lot less pressure, I think writing about this movie that is going directly to going directly to like iTunes than it is to write about like Top Gun Maverick this multi-billion dollar movie where there's also going to be thousands and thousands and thousands of other reviews for the site and yours is just going to get lost in the noise but what I really like about writing for for these indie for these low budget movies a it's good it's good research to see like this is what people are doing with the budgets that they have. How can I incorporate this into my work? And also when you review it, you're going to get more attention for it because there are less reviews for it. Like I have had filmmakers, which is so scary. Fil- the film, the people who made the film are literally reacting to my review online. And it just feels a little weird because thankfully it's only been in movies that I've liked. But what if I write like a, a, I write a review about a movie and I'm like, this wasn't a very good movie. And then like the director responds and I'm like, I'm sorry you put your heart and soul into this, but like <laughs> it was a flop kind of. So that's, that was a little bit of a digression on like the, the uh, anxiety of, of reviewing movies online. But yeah, your website and your demo reel, those are the things that are going to show you off. So I have some I have some good film reviews. I have some screenplays, which is what I want to go into. So those are the things I'm most proud of. And you also have to have things like audio samples. So like what I took for radio production, I have those things on there. Am I ever going to show those to another living soul once I graduate? Absolutely not. But I need the grade. Things like that. Fair enough. So you actually mentioned one of the clips on your demo reel was probably going to be a music video from one of the classes. Yeah. Do you consider music videos a sort of short film? Yes, actually. Um, when we were making the music video and we were coming up with it, I was um, – I ended up also um, – the only you, – you make the music video for cinematography. And the only, like, constraint is basically that all four of the people or all three, however many people in your group, you all have to be credited – as the cinematographer for the project. And I was like, that's fine. And it ended up being that I also ended up writing and directing it because I got two of the actors, one uh, that was, uh, two of the actors that I've worked with previously and I got them. So I was comfortable with them. I was friends with them. We had a rapport. They knew how I directed. I knew how they acted. We could get what we wanted to. So I ended up kind of falling into the, falling into the director's chair of that. And as I was writing this, I was like, I cannot fathom this project in any way that isn't a narrative, that doesn't have a beginning, middle, and end. And actually, I didn't come up with the story of it. My friend uh, Jalen did. She was like, well, what if this is the storyline of the film? And I was like, I can work with that. That's actually perfect. So I had much less pressure with this one because all I had to do was take her her general outline and I had to put it into a, put it into a format. So yes, um, 
there are obviously music videos I think that are a little bit more abstract and I also really like those like the take on me music video that's just a guy running through like little hand-drawn hallways and things but it's really cool and it's really fun to look at and that's the only thing that you should worry about with the music videos that you're going to get your person to watch from beginning to end like even if they don't like it like your song has one more play that's one more little bit of royalties that you've got so yeah music videos I I personally approach them as a short film right on now, you also mentioned that you are a movie critic yes. on the side for indie films. Now, these are films that even I probably haven't seen. Are there some that you would recommend to the general audience as, like, you need to see this movie? Oh, I've uh, I've had a few. And, yeah, these are so, so obscure that even, like, I don't really know about them. But I have had a few that I've written for that I've I've found and I've been like, yes. One of them... I don't know. It just came out. It's called After She Died. And it's the the elevator pitch for this movie is you've got this family. You've got the mom, the dad, and the daughter. And the, the mom and the dad fight quite a bit. And the mom has a very close relationship with the daughter. And then the mom dies like five minutes in. And then like two scenes later, the dad brings home a new girlfriend who looks exactly like the mom. And the there's it's supposed to be a horror film. It is obviously very low budget. But what I really love about it is that they didn't let their low budget kind of get in the way of the movie that they want to make. They really are throwing everything at the screen. And it's not technically the best movie. I'm not an audio person, but it was it was real wonky. You could tell that they were stitching mul- multiple takes together and the levels were off. But there was such a sincerity for the story that they wanted to tell. And you could tell that everybody was having so much fun that by the time you get to the end, and it goes to some weird places that you would not expect a movie with that low of a budget to get. Because when you're reviewing low budget movies, what you usually get are limited casts, which like less than five people in one or two locations. And they're just talking for 90 minutes. And I love a good mumblecore movie. I love to hear people talk. But it is refreshing to have a person be like, we are going to figure out creative ways around these obstacles. And we're going to make this really weird horror movie that somehow manages to be like funny low budget but also really endearing at the same time it really was i had such a blast watching it i don't know if it's available to stream anywhere because frankly i did not know that it existed until it showed up in the facebook group and our editor-in-chief was like does anybody want to take this and i was like sure why not but it's those things of kind of taking a chance on a movie and then it paying off in a really big way that's it's one of my favorite things about this and also being a published writer like that's going to go really well on the resume Absolutely. I mean, I myself strive to get published as much as I can because that gives me more options as how to show my work and show how prolific I am or how skilled I am for in various different contexts even. Now, we've talked a bit about how you've critiqued, you've talked about how you're president of the Millier Society, how much you love movies, yeah. some of the technical skills you've developed at UCM. Is there anything that you would like, anything else that you would like to share? Anything else that I would like to share? Um... Don't, if you're in the DMP department, those projects are going to come up on you a lot quicker than you think they are. Get them done early. Uh, other than that, no. This has been a very, this has been a very great conversation. I've had a lot of fun with it. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, no problem. Yeah.